Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode 50. 50. Milestone. It is a milestone. You've got a guest for us today. Got us a guest, mate, for the 50th. I've got us a good one for next week as well, but we won't talk about that. Not that we're counting scores. Let's focus on this week, <laughs> the week at hand. Mate, how have you been? How's things? Good. I'm just back from a run in the mountains, 2.30 a.m. start. So actually pretty, well, feels like it's nearly dinner time, but it's only midday. But I'm shattered. Yeah. Are you feeling the benefit of waking up that early to go running or are you feeling the detriment of it? I feel good at the time, but then it impacts later on in the afternoon for uh, sure. And why are you waking up at that time to go running? Because we have meetings earlier. When you have meetings at 10, you've got to be up early to run. So, okay, interesting. We're, we're going to get our guest on soon, but I think this, was a, this is a good question for you now then. So you, you running that early because you've got to fit things in because you've got other things to do in your day. Mm-hmm. How is it impacting your sleep and your recovery? So my sleep starts earlier in the day. So I'll go to bed probably three hours earlier than I would do normally. So I'm trying to go to bed at 7.30 and still losing sleep though. But I don't do this, not doing that, this, doing this that often. So I'll try and catch up on sleep the rest of the week. Recovery, there is more recovery protocol than in a normal week because I'm losing sleep. You are? Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's one thing I always think about you ultra a lot. <laughs> Just sleep more. Yeah, definitely. But to be fair, you probably still more vol. You do more volume than us. Yeah. On what you're doing, so you're probably your recovery is probably more important than ours. True, but I sleep more. You t- well, there is that. Yeah, <laughs> you train more during the day. Yes. Yeah, I do. True. So our guest this week is Josh Stinton, and he is known as the Charity Adventure Guy. Mm. That's his uh, Instagram profile. That's as not well. just his name. <laughs> he is known as this guy. Yeah. And uh, he got introduced to us through a friend, well, and a, a client of Infant Endurance, but a, f- a friend of the show who's been on, uh, Rickson. Mm-hmm. He said, You've got to meet this guy. You've got to get him on the show. So that's exactly what we've done. And we're going to chat to him now. So stay tuned. Our interview with Josh Stinton. So, hey, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to meet you both. Whereabouts are you in this world? In, in this world, I'm in uh, Oslo, Norway. So I've been up here hiding in uh, Scandinavia land for the past three years. <laughs> oh, well, really appreciate you jumping on Zoom, mate, to, uh, to come and talk to us. Yeah, my pleasure. Now, you say you've been there three years. Uh, we've just had a little bit of a chat before we got started. Yeah. I had no idea where you were from. Yeah. Rob reckoned you yeah. would have guessed right, but... <laughs> Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Who is Josh Stinton? Just to, just to remove the fog a little bit uh, straight away. So, my, so I'm, I'm from Denver, Colorado, originally. So I grew up in the States and then moved to Australia when I was 24. And I spent uh, just on 13 years there before moving here. So, so that, that makes my accent like a, a perfect storm of getting made fun of uh, in no matter what country I'm in. Because it's funny, my, my little brothers back home, they're like, not everything's a question. I'm like, shut up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, you know, tell us what you do, mate, and, and how you got into it. Not a problem. So, what I do is I, so I've been an adventurer now for going on six years. Uh, so, what I do is I take on the hardest physical challenges in the world and things I have absolutely no experience in at all. And, and I do that to raise awareness for a new children's charity somewhere around the globe. So I, I learned early on, so I'm, I'm working, I'm currently working on my sixth challenge. I've done mm-hmm. five so far. 
And uh, the, the model that I've kind of accidentally found, guys, is if I keep taking on the hardest physical thing in the world and something I don't know how to do to raise awareness for a children's cause, well, there's a lot of awareness. There's a lot of media that goes into the crazy challenge. And then I use that media as a vehicle to tell the stories about what the children's cause is doing. And so it's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. So it started off with like organized races and things that you can sign up for and do. And over the past couple of years, it's evolved from things you can sign up for to me just inventing things and getting people far smarter than me to help me pull them off. <laughs> just let it, letting your imagination run wild. 100%. And it's been a lot of fun, I must say. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, great. it's funny, too, because my background, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not athletic. You know, I, so I said I come from the States originally. And uh, I was in high school and, and I joined the, the American football team to, you know, make friends at the age of 15 when I started in high school. And, and the coach told me halfway through the season, like, you know, we've had a conversation about you and we think it'd be best if you were the cameraman uh, instead. <laughs> I was no good on the field. <laughs> which, was, which was very emasculating for a 15-year-old boy to hear, you know. So, uh, so yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't have a big athletic background, so I'm new here. And uh, it's, it's great for me getting to meet guys like yourselves who actually know what they're doing. And uh, communities like this with inner fight and, uh, and learning a little bit more each time along the way. So it's been a lot of fun. Mate, you, you're obviously a very fast learner. In, <laughs> and I'm looking at your previous challenges. You've completed a 90-kilometer cross-country skiing race despite mm -hmm. never having skied once before the start line. Mm -hmm. You have done a mountain unicycle race. Yeah. I want to know more about that. That one I'm definitely interested in. <laughs> and an off-road Finnmark 700, which also looks like a cycling race, but on snow across Norway. Yeah. Um, when My first question to you, when, no, my first question isn't when, it's how <laughs> do you come up with this? Yeah. So uh, I'll be absolutely honest. The, it, it all kind of kicked off with, a simple conversation that changed my life. I was living in Sydney and one of my best friends, a guy named Oscar, he's from Gothenburg in Sweden. And we went out and grabbed a pizza. We were good friends. So we hung out quite often. And, and he, and in this particular conversation, he told me about this ski race in Sweden called Vasa Lope. And it's the hardest cross country ski race in the world. Apparently it's like the kind of the pinnacle thing as a cross country skier. That is like what you train for, for your career. That's what you, that's the thing you aspire to do one day. And he told me he was, he was going to go off and do it. And my ego got involved in the conversation. And I said, I wanted to try it as well. And he said, uh, well, you can't do that because you've never skied before. And so my ego really got involved in the conversation. There might have been a couple of beers at this dinner as well, boys, to be honest. But um, I said, look, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite keen. I, I want to give it a try. So as you said earlier, I do come from Colorado but I've still never skied, uh, which makes my story that much more pathetic. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so here we were in Sydney and I, I signed up, I got a ticket for the race or I, I signed up for a ticket, didn't get it. And so 16,000 people do the race every year and the ticket sells out in about 80 seconds. So if you've never skied before, you're not really high up on the list uh, of acceptance for that. <laughs> Mate, you'd be but, top of my list yeah, for comedy. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so over the next couple of years, I kept applying for the ticket. And then on the, it took me three years, actually. On the third year, I actually got a ticket. I got this email in Swedish, which was exciting because I'd never seen that before. 
And uh, after translating it, it basically said, good luck with your training. I was like, ooh, like, you know, my, my mouth signed my body up for a task in the past that I was going to have to follow through with. So it's like past me is really good at signing up future me for things that future me is going to have to have a, a, a problem with at that time. How, how long did you have between the email coming in until the race starting? 11 months. So I, it, was, it was 11 months. And uh, which was perfect timing because actually right when I got that email, I met a guy named uh, James Thomas. He and his wife, Christy, were, were starting up a small charity uh, called Feel the Magic in Australia. And what that charity is, it's a grief counseling camp. So they help children. Like if a, if a kid's mom or dad has passed away or brother, they have a camp that lets these kids uh, realize they're not alone. Uh, and so they, it's a grief pro- process that they help them through. It's amazing work. And I, and I met him and then I got the acceptance letter and I called him. I said, mate, look, I, uh, I'm going to go do the hardest ski race in the world and I've never skied before. And I think I, it would be great to raise awareness for your new charity. Maybe we can raise some dollars. I was just following a simple model, you know, like run a half marathon, support this charity kind of thing. It's, you know, nothing, nothing invented necessarily by any means. And, uh, and he said, yeah, okay, mate, well, we'll send you a t-shirt, I guess. We, we, we don't know. We've never had an ambassador or it's this new charity. It's like, yeah, brilliant. So put on this t-shirt. I Googled how to train for cross-country skiing on land because no snow in Sydney. And, and I got these, uh, these, these roller skis, right? These skis with wheels on them. Now, I, as I said, I live in Norway. It's pretty common here. Not common in Australia. So <laughs> I, I'm out there and Australians are very uh, extroverted people. You know, I'm out there like roller skiing around the beaches on the sidewalks and Australians driving by filming like no snow, mate. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why there's wheels. Like, and it just, it, 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 one thing kind of led to another. And one day a woman stopped me and asked what I was doing. And I said, I told her I was going to do the hardest ski race in the world. Never skied. Turns out she was an editor for the, for the local newspaper asked if I wanted an interview. I'd, I'd never been in media before that point, and I thought, well, cool, you know, my mom will be pumped. Yeah, <laughs> like, maybe get some awareness for this charity, and, and that interview came out. I got a call from the Today Show the next day because they saw that interview, asked me to come on the show, and so then going on the show, they gave me seven and a half minutes on live TV, my first time on TV ever. It's like live television, two and a half, uh, 2.1 million people watching on a Thursday morning, and uh, that interview made its way back to the Norwegian Olympic team. And so I got an email from the Norwegian Olympic team saying that they wanted to sponsor me for the race. <laughs> and the Norwegians are like the world champion cross-country skiers. I've never skied. And I told them, I, got, I wrote back, I was like, guys, for the removal of any doubt, I, like, I don't know how to ski. And they, they wrote back, but no, we saw the story. We love it. So they met me on the day of the race, gave me the, the Norwegian Olympic suit, which I still have. And, uh, and, and loaned me a set of skis, which they waxed, which was great. Cause I didn't even know how to, I, that I had to wax the skis. And, uh, yeah. So the morning of the race, my guys, like seven o'clock in the morning, minus 17 degrees and ABBA cover band is playing to pump up the band or crowd. Cause it's Sweden, you know, and I, uh, I've never skied. So that was the first time in my life I had my feet on skis, uh, was that morning. That was the day changed my life. So something we always say is try nothing new on race day. And it seems that you tried <laughs> absolutely everything new on race day. <laughs> yeah. It was a, a violent dis- disagreement with that comment. Yeah. Just <laughs> completely. It was so funny too, because when I, um, 
when I pushed, right? It's like the gun goes off and there I was and I pushed for the first time ever. And I just, I just hit the guy in front of me. I just broke <laughs> right into him. And, and this guy, he's this older bloke and he kind of, I almost knock him over, you know, poor guy. And he's unexpecting someone to hit him in the back at the beginning of the race. And he turns around and he says something in Swedish. And I said, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I've never skied. He's like, like, I've got the Norwegian Olympic suit on and it's possible <laughs> open. And he's like, he, and he looks at me and he goes, today's going to be the hardest day of your life. I was like, yeah, I know. I just have to go that way. He's like, yeah, for a long time. Like, yeah. And uh, it was great. How was it, mate? How long did it take? It was amazing. I, uh, it, so you have to do the race in 13 hours. Otherwise, they bring out this rope at the finish line that cuts you off from being able to finish. And I was, I was horrified of this rope the whole time I was training on these roller skis around Australia. And um, it took me, so you have to do it in 13 hours. I, I did it. So I was skiing for nonstop for 11 hours, eight minutes and 58 seconds for my oh. first ever effort skiing. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. I did it. Yeah. But it was How's so your cool. hamstrings after that? Everything was sore. Uh, the hammies were pretty tight. Yeah. Abs were looking good. I was pretty excited about that. But uh, no, ev everything was sore. Like your shoulders, your lats, your pride, <laughs> everything. So, uh, uh, yeah, but it was, it was amazing. But because of that, and like, so the TV interviews, the race, like having finished the race, uh, there were, there was, an, I forget, at that point, I think there was over about six TV interviews and a number of different radio interviews as well. But over 500 families signed up for the challenge or the charity that didn't know that it existed before. So that's 500 kids living with grief that now are getting help. Awesome. So that's yeah. what I realized at the end is like, well, what I kind of tripped onto here is it's not an opportunity, it's a responsibility. So now I'm just, as long as my body keeps letting me do these things, at least once a year, I keep on taking something big out there in the world to raise awareness for a kid's cause. So are you a full time adventurer then? Mm -mm. no i'm not and so what what i get asked is obviously how do i earn money right um and, and i'm happy to sh talk about that because 100 percent of every single dollar that ever gets raised sponsorship or not goes to the kids and that's never that's never changed and i will never ever change it so i have had advice over the past few years about setting up a board or a foundation to which i can be a director and take a cut of absolutely not like nothing i'm, I'm just about as transparent as it gets but where I do earn money is uh, I've, I've given uh, about five, uh, about five, six years ago, I was asked to, oh no, it was about five years ago now, actually, because it was after Vasa Lopa. I, I gave a, a keynote talk for a charity ball and in the audience was uh, an agency for uh, keynote speaking. And they came up and asked if, if I had any representation and said no. So they started being a representative of mine in Australia. And now I've got five agencies around the world that represent me. So I, I do keynote talks and presenting on the challenges. Sometimes over the whole course of all the challenges are, are kind of like deep diving into specific challenges. And I run workshops for organizations as well on the, on the insights that I've learned helping people out. So I get paid for that. I get paid for presenting and, and also for facilitating workshops. That's been great. But um, I'll never earn a dollar from the challenges ever. Brilliant. Wow. Uh, mate, so what is your background? What, what did you grow up thinking you were going to be? <laughs> yeah, you've ended up in such a unique position. 
Yeah, I, I, you, you know, I, get, I don't get that question often. Um, what's funny, so I've got a, this tattoo of a whale here, right? And I, that was from New Zealand. When I was a kid, I just was infatuated with whales. I come from Colorado, so there's no ocean. Hell, we don't even have any lakes, basically. So I was like, I wanted to be an oceanographer in the worst way. And, uh, and then I realized you can't just swim with whales and get paid for it, right? You had to be good at science, and I wasn't that guy. So, you literally uh, come from the middle of America, and you can't ski, but you love the ocean. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> like somebody just like plonked the wrong person in the yeah. wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, I, it's funny, background-wise, as I said, it wasn't, I, you know, I didn't have a, a, a very sporting family. And so it wasn't like off to the ski slopes on the weekends or out, you know, wakeboarding. It was never really that. Um, but but I do have, I, I come from a long line of people that just really love pushing boundaries. Uh, almost everyone in my family is an entrepreneur, runs their own business, mom and dad included. And it was just a mindset, you know. And so outside of the physical aspect of the challenges, I get really passionate about helping people identify their internal, uh, the internal narrative, like the story that we tell ourselves about what we can or can't do, and being really conscious about what that narrative is, and then shifting it depending on what the goal is that we want to accomplish. Because a lot of times we might have a big vision, but we don't believe that we're allowed to be the person to pull that off. And so I, I come from a world that was very optimistic and driven to basically tackle that narrative. And so that's what I, I try to do through my work as well. So you actually feel like this is what you're meant to be doing? 100%. Without a doubt in my mind at all, I've landed on my purpose. Amazing. Very, yeah. So mate, obviously we're, we're a run, we're called the Run Strong Podcast. We're a running podcast. Any of your challenges been to do with running yet? I'm seeing a lot of skiing and, and cycling, obviously, but... There's, there's been a lot of skiing, cycling. I'm, I'm, I've always been a keen runner, but just very casually on my own um, in, in the past. I've, I've been that guy and it's funny. So with this story changing, because I was that guy that would sign up for half marathons, like using my ego and being like, Oh, with the boys, like, yeah, hey, I'll sign up for a half marathon or maybe a marathon. And then like, I'd sell my bib like a week before I just, I would just back out. And I don't know what my, my, my self-limiting beliefs were at that time, but we're talking like, I probably sold five bibs at half price right, right before the race. And then when I started to, again, when I shifted the narrative and these challenges started coming on board, like I'll happily go out and punch out 20K on, on my own, just just mindlessly, you know, with, without any expectation of myself. Because I'm not saying this to preach the choir by any means, but I adore the sport of running for the journey that it takes us on mentally while we're getting there. So no, the challenges haven't included running so far other than training for, but the but the one which which I'm happy to go into in and when we want, uh, is uh is very much about running like running is the middle <laughs> of the of the next challenges universe which scares the hell out of me before we do that i want to bring up the the mountain unicycle race <laughs> like, i've never in my life heard of anything like this really really that's and so then, weird that's so <laughs> weird <laughs> and then the picture is the, the picture you've got on your website it's just hilarious it just if you look quickly it looks like there's a load of people on normal bikes but yeah it's because there's so many unicycles there's yeah. someone falling off i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah so is is it literally all it seems is you're in the mountains but on a unicycle you're on one wheel going down a mountain for 14 kilometers off-road some of them have disc brakes <laughs> mine had a disc brake no and 
Some of those people are really, really good at using them. I wasn't. Because if you think about like the focal point, you hit the brake, you just... Chin yourself. Yeah. And in the photo as well, there's one guy like arm fully extended. So if anyone tries to get past him, they're going to fall off. That's Josh for yep. sure. <laughs> that's me. It's like, yeah. no. That's me. And, that, and that, that looks like a defensive move. No, that was just me trying <laughs> to get balance. You need to go check this website out, guys. The charityadventurer.com. Go to previous challenges and just have a little laugh at the picture with your mates for a, <laughs> for a few minutes. Yeah, exactly. So how do you find how do you find a race like that or a challenge like that I should say? So it's 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 just quite organic, you know, the way that happens. So that challenge, it was crazy how it came about. So I used to do production work for TED, uh, TEDx Sydney in Australia. So I, and I got to meet a lot of really interesting folks there. And I and one guy from the US came out to visit us in Sydney through TED, and he uh, and he told me. I was training for Vasilopa at this time. And he told me, he's like, you know, you're probably onto something here where you could take on other crazy things as well. And I was like, well, we'll see. Like right now I'm focusing on skiing. And he said, well, just so it's on your radar, he said, I'm hearing about this sport coming out of Canada called mountain unicycling. I was like, dude, put your beer down. Like, no, like what? And he was, he was so keen on it. And, and I looked, I looked into it and yeah, it's a, it was a sport. Like, there's a guy named Chris Holm that was, he basically just took a unicycle and reinforced the welding on it and put in a bigger mountain bike tire and actually invented a mountain unicycle. So it was about, oh, probably about a month later, I was at a dinner uh, with some friends in Sydney at a guy's house. I've never met him before. And they were sitting there and someone made the comment, like, what about after the ski race? Are you thinking of anything else? No joke. <coughs> Excuse me. I said, you know what? I've heard about this sport out of Canada called mountain unicycling. The guy at the end of the table, his name's Charlie, his eyes got massive. He was like, have you heard about Muni? I'm like, Muni? I, I'm, like, I just stepped into some kind of like cult. I was like, what? What? And he said, uh, yeah, mountain unicycling. He said, that's, he said, and he kind of started to explain it. He goes, just wait one second. The guy goes into another room in his house and comes back out with a mountain unicycle. No joke. Like, Full mountain bike tire, spikes, uh, uh, spikes on the pedals and the disc brake. I'm like, what? And he changed his shirt as well. And his new shirt said NBUC. I'm like, what's NBUC? And he's like, the Northern Beaches Unicycle Club. I'm the president. <laughs> so, no joke. I was like, okay. And he said, you know what? Every two years, there's this massive race. Um, called Unicon and it's uh, and, and like people like unicyclists from all around the world gather and there's like tricks and there's a marathon they run marathon and half marathon on unicycles through different cities and then there's the mountain unicycle version where you basically they take you to the top of a mountain somewhere in the world and about 350 people um, race each other on one wheel off-road and he said if you want to take that on that race is in San Sebastian Spain in the next, you know, in like four months, we'll train you, get you a mountain unicycle, and you can represent Australia. So off I went. Actually, one second. It's fun doing this at home. Hang on. <laughs> he's definitely got a unicycle at he's home, gonna, isn't he? He's going to whip it out. No he's way. He's going to come back on skis. Yeah. yeah I think we're going to be disappointed. Yeah. So now he came back. We're going to go get a unicycle. But Team Australia, you see like a kangaroo on the unicycle. <laughs> Team Oz, yes, it's a thing. 
So, um, yeah. We've just seen the official t-shirt. The official t-shirt. The famous official mountain unicycle unicorn t-shirt. I'm shocked at how quickly you got that as well. Mate, that's yeah, my only yeah. question on that is why aren't you wearing that right now? Yeah, that's fair. That's, I, oh, I, I, I save it. I save it. That's a great question. I should always be wearing that. When, as the old saying goes, when you have a mountain unicycling official t-shirt, always wear the mountain unicycling official t-shirt. How does it work then? Do you pedal uphill or do you yeah. pedal yeah. like do you freewheel downhill? How else are you gonna get uphill? And no, and, and see that's the thing, there's no free will. So that thing is like there's no free will. Exactly. That's what I mean. That your your legs are gonna have to go as fast yeah, as yeah, you your can legs go uphill, yeah. Yeah, and see when you're so I'd only learned to unicycle four months prior to the race. And don't get me wrong, I fell loads of times and that's okay. But you I, and I was like, I was kitted up. I look like a like a hockey goalie going down this mountain on this uh, <laughs> this unicycle. But you go over like stumps and rocks and steps and all sorts. Like it's um it's 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 real and you uphill as well um and there's you know there's there's people all, all over the place you know like referees kind of making sure that you're not you know running around with your unicycle that you're actually riding it along and yeah this, this picture alone tells me everything i need to know yeah, about yeah. mountain biking unicycling for sure Mate, that, have a go, don't you? not a hope no way <laughs> no way I gotta tell you though, like that photo is one of my favorite because that 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 picture caught the intersection of of excitement and horror right there, <laughs> like yeah, and it was great because these people at that race, I, I mean, they this is a passionate community, unicyclists, like next level passionate community, like these guys. I, I you know we had these shirts made in the unicycle uh, team for Australia. But there was people like everyone had jerseys from their country, like the Polish unicycle team, and and it was it was it was insane. <laughs> so, mate, I want to speak to you a bit about your next challenge. You've just said it involved running. Yeah. What are we doing? Ultra? Where are we going? It's uh, it's ultra something. I um, so <laughs> I I got this. I actually got this in my mind on the last on my last challenge. So the last challenge, I actually um, I bicycled across the Atlantic Ocean. I started from Grand Canaria and finished in St. Lucia in the Caribbean. And so I was out there and I cycled, I had to cycle 6,434 kilometers in two weeks to beat the boat that I was on. And, and I pulled it off. So it was a, a world record on that one. But when I was out there in the sea cycling for a minimum 10 hours a day, um, I've never been in the middle of the ocean before. And the thing you notice when you're in the middle of the ocean is there's nothing in the sky like at all, like no birds, no planes, no nothing. And, and I never, it, you notice it after a bit because something's obviously missing. And so um, I started thinking, because I was a bit delirious, I started thinking about the different ways that we as people have interacted with the sky. And, uh, and it kind of hit me that I've never heard of anyone powering an airship by running. So, uh, yeah. So I got back to it. <laughs> Do you wonder why you've never heard of that, mate? No, no, yeah, it's, it's, I'm shocked. It's like, what? It's like mountain unicycling. How is this not common knowledge? But uh, I got back to, so how? I yeah. know your question. He's got a question and I know I what it is. Back, back. I <laughs> so many questions. How do you cycle across the sea? Mm. Water bike. A water yeah. bike. 
Well, that was kind of, uh, so just kind of quickly in the last two challenges, because that's where it started to divert into things that have never been done before. So that's kind I'm of- I'm just thing. thinking about our, I understand, obviously, I'm thinking about our audience <laughs> here. They need some help. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, fair enough. So what I did is I, I gave a talk in Mexico um, about a year and a couple of months ago. And a couple of guys came up out of the audience and said that they were going to charter a boat to sail across the Atlantic in this, uh, it's called the ARC, this Atlantic Yacht Race Challenge. And, um, I, and or the Atlantic Rally Cross, as it's called. And they invited me to say if I just wanted to come along. It's like, absolutely. And when, like November? And we started talking about it a bit more. And one thing that has always been in the back of my mind that I thought would be funny to do or fun to do is put like a training bike on a, on a cargo ship that's crossing the sea and like do as many mile or kilometers as the, the ship is sailing a day. So you're officially crossing the ocean on the bike. Mm. And I, and I told them that and they're like, we can do it. Like if this is going to be a 92 foot yacht, I mean, it's a beautiful boat, right? We've got this 92 foot yacht. We'll put you in touch with the captain and see if we can just, you know, strap down a bike and make it happen. Got in touch with the cab captain is a British guy. Really? He's become a good friend. Um, but he said, no, this is the stupidest idea because you're, you're not, we're not, you're going to be, you're going to take up a lot of time. You're going to take up a lot of food and, you, and you're going to hurt yourself, you know, because a bike is, you know, because those ships are easily at 45 degrees at any given time sailing. And um, so I said, yeah, well, what, what if, right? Like if, if, if we could, if you were the captain, that was the captain of the first boat that ever took a bicycle sailing or cycling across the ocean, like how would you have to be that guy? You know? And he's like, ah, I see what you're doing. He's like, well, he goes, what, what, what we need to do is basically build a gimbal mechanism, right? So something mm -hmm. around the bike that's going to keep the bike straight. And no matter what the boat does underneath it, the bike isn't swinging around like so. And so he and a friend of his run a, uh, an engineering and welding uh, shop in the south of England in Lymington. And those boys just got to work on it. They're like, yeah, okay, we could probably pull this off. So we did, we built the first, we, no, they built the world's first bicycle gimbal for uh, ocean sailing. Yeah. There we go. And uh, yeah, so that's it. So I had to, so I, I, I was set up to a resistance mechanism, which was basically counting the kilometers. So I had to cycle more than the ship was sailing every day. And at the end, this, the ship sailed about 5,800 kilometers and I cycled 6,434 kilometers. So I beat it and set a world record, uh, first person to bicycle over the ocean. But, so while you're doing that challenge, you're thinking of your next. Yeah, 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 that's, and I had a lot of time, right? I, my, you know, phone died and uh, podcasts were all listened to and, and I was just like, just out there cycling long and just thinking about this. So, so when I, what happened, I got back to Norway and this is brilliant. I got back to Norway and I just, I Googled the, the, whoever the Norwegian Civil Aviation Authority was. And I found this office up in Boda, up in the Arctic. And I called him up and this, this poor woman answers the phone. And I, I said, hey, uh, my name is Josh and I've got an idea. I would like to be the first person in the world to, to run through the sky, you know, uh, running being the, the way to power an airship. Who do I need to talk to for permits about that? <laughs> He's like, now invented a new department in the Norwegian <laughs> airspace. Yeah. Did she? Did she hang up? No, I thought for sure I'd get a dial tone. But she said, uh, 
I don't know who to transfer you to. Hang on. She goes, I'm just going to transfer you to the head of the department. Okay, great. So she, she sends me over this guy, really nice guy, Arald, gets on the phone. And uh, I'm talking with him. I told him the same thing. And he just starts laughing. He was like, I have been running this department for years. He's actually, he's actually the head of Norwegian airspace. He's like, I've been running this department for years. I've never had a phone call like this. This is great because we will figure this out. We'll get you the permits. I was like, yes. So, <laughs> but, he, but he flat out says, he's like, he goes, I assume I'm not talking to an engineer. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And he's like, right, you're not allowed to build it. I'm like, no, 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 I, I won't do that. And he's <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, uh, trust me, you and I both have my safety in, in mind, right? So, uh, so he said, uh, I asked him who he works with, uh, who they work with usually. And they said NTNU, which is the, an engineering university here in Trondheim uh, in Norway. So I called a, pers- a, a good friend of mine that knows the head of engineering there. And through them, I got a, a meeting with the head of engineering. He loved it. He took it upon himself to introduce me to an astronaut from NASA in Houston. That's a good friend of his that he's done work, work with. So now we've got NASA uh, through by way of this astronaut and some other folks. So NASA is helping out the engineering team at NTNU is helping out. And we're building this, uh, it's like this blimp, this big helium filled blimp, like a, you know, an airship. And uh, we're, it'll have a treadmill underneath it. So basically a belt at a bit of an angle. So I always get purchase on it while I'm running. And that belt is going to charge a number of batteries that will power the propellers for the forward propulsion. So the helium is going to take care of the elevation and the running is going to power the forward momentum across Norway. I'm picturing just a treadmill floating underneath the thing, but I'm assuming there's more to it than that in case you fall off the back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's why, and I've actually, this hasn't been announced yet. And cause there's a lot of things we don't know that we don't know. And, uh, and so right now we're working at like the sweet spot of elevation to fly at. So where the oxygen is going to be thick enough for me to be able to breathe, but yet a parachute will deploy if I fall off. Wow. And, and what's your plan? How far are you going to go? Um, it's going to be just on about 400 kilometers. So I'm starting in the west coast of Stavanger. And the view is to run off. For any listeners that know Norway well, there's a, it's called Preikestolen or uh, Pulpit Rock in English. And that's, it's a 630 cliff uh, uh, drop cliff face that is right that there in this uh, lease if you're in the west of Norway. So run off of that across Norway and into Akebrige here in uh, in Oslo. So across the length of Norway. And then we're looking at the, the uh, you know, what the energy conversion is going to be. So is and, and wind going from the west to the east should be favorable, should be, because if it's in my face, then that's a nightmare. So um, with wind, hopefully with the energy conversion, we're hoping that I can do it in one go within 72 hours, maybe. Uh, If not, then I've got to find a way to bring the blimp down at night, dock it onto a service vehicle, and then take it back up in the same spot the next day to continue the journey. So yeah, that'll be potentially, ideally June June of 2021, but we're working uh, with the team now. I'm actually going up to Trondheim this week to discuss it further. Because the the air or the wind systems might be better in August, so it's either June or August of 2021, and that's for a, a charity called Right to Play. But you can see, I'm actually a walking brand for them now. But there, it's a Norwegian charity helping children with education programs all over the world. It's amazing stuff going on there. So that's the that's the middle of my universe right now, boys. Amazing. Wow. So, mate, you're obviously no stranger to endurance. Yeah. 
how is how is your training going to adapt now going into this challenge obviously you're going to do more running but what else are you going to add into your training to deal with the you know the less pressure with the oxygen the having to obviously stay awake and aware for 72 hours share a little yeah. bit about that absolutely and and great question man because one one thing i do and i, I think we all have a term for this but when when we're when we're at that breaking point i call it the it's the pain room so so i call it the, so when, when when you're running and you've got that endurance and you're in your you're you're at the end like you're you're your breaking point, I, I, I enter this thing called the pain room. And the pain room is basically where I'm completely shattered. Like, cause we can all train up into where it starts to hurt, but kind of like, you know, as, as a Muhammad Ali would say, you know, he only starts counting his crunches once they start hurting, <laughs> you know, it's like getting to that point, that breaking point where I'm out on the run or I've, I've been doing a lot of training on the skill mill treadmill in the gyms right now. And just getting to that point where I'm north of an hour at least and I'm starving or, or running while you have to go to the bathroom, like just getting yourself in really uncomfortable things, uh, shoes that you don't love, etc., and just finding out what you need to kind of massage out in your headspace just to get used to being uncomfortable because it's so easy. And I found this over the years. It's so easy to run on the sunny days. And I'm really looking forward to this Norwegian winter kicking in because this is where you're going to start to learn yourself as an endurance athlete because it's uh, it's it's on the non-favorable times that we actually grow. Are we going to be brushing off the skis again or waxing, should I say? I should I, sh I should be. Um, I did have to give those skis back to the Norwegians. So now I live in Norway because uh, I was in Stavanger on the West Coast for a couple of years and it's, it, so it's not great skiing conditions over there, but now that I'm in Oslo, I'm literally a walk into the ski field. So yeah, I've got to pick up some skis now. So cross-country skiing will definitely be a great, a great training aspect for it as well. Go a step further, mate, and pick up a mono ski, and then you've got your unicycling and skiing <laughs> covered. I, I'm going to be the first person in the world to take a mono ski across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> on a treadmill. On a treadmill. So, <laughs> so many questions. Yeah. The tread, so the, just to give me an idea of the size. So uh, in this blimp with the treadmill attached, is it just going to be you? Is it just yeah. like you and a blimp and nobody else? Or is there any, right. anyone just, with you? Just just me. Um, and, and because with helium and, and the, what the team is saying with like the, the, the carbon fiber kind of framing that we can use and the materials that we've got access to, it, helium can actually lift a lot. So with me, supplies, the treadmill, uh, the kind of average skill mills are, you know, they're still south of 200 kilos. So they're not super heavy, um, you know, without any kind of mechanism. Because what we we're just looking for is a belt. It's going to turn and then that will start to turn the, the, with the, the, the engineering, the mechanics that they've got involved is to power the batteries. But they're also I've got a so it's the treadmill and then a pretty decent sized control panel, which I'm going to be able to use just like a massive video game, which I'm looking forward to seeing the prototype for this. But this, this control panel that I'll be able to steer the, the blimp with um, while we're up there and actually kind of give it coordinates to go from you know, basically the West coast to the, to the East. But, uh, so yeah, it's essentially a treadmill. However, you know, with this being announced soon and, and if anyone's interested to follow the story, it's on Instagram, 
but I'll just keep putting updates there from the, you know, the prototypes and the people, you know, all the team involved and, and taking photos and updates that like every, every little bit that I get as it starts to come to life. Cause <laughs> you always have an idea as to what it's going to look like. But when you see the prototype, you're like, Oh, I'm running in a 1975 Volkswagen. Like what, what is, what is this? Thing? <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. Wow. Unreal. Mate, we've taken up um, a good bit of your time. You should get back to training. Thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) I should. Oh, guys, seriously, to the both of you, thank you so much for having me on. This is great. I love the community. I've been following you guys since I was connected to you. And uh, I look forward to checking in. If if you're keen, it'd be fun to come back on and tell the story as how it's progressing closer too. Mate, 100%. Yeah, I want a full quarterly update i think i could spend three hours three hours just asking questions good you know it would be cool as well because we're working with a a media team on on actually broadcasting it live so while i'm up there in the sky so you can it's called like slow tv so people can click a link and see like the view from the blimp while i'm running and also setting it up to where i can have conversations like a couple times a day having chats with people it'd be fun to have a uh, an interview while i'm up there actually running in the air definitely Mate, scrap an interview we'll run a track tuesday session with you in the sky awesome awesome done there we go so track good tuesday okay <laughs> <laughs> That would be epic. <laughs> Amazing. All right, mate. Well, we'll definitely be staying in touch and we'll get you yeah. back on the show soon for up. And uh, yeah, if people want to um, get on and support you and obviously follow you, just give us your Instagram websites. Yep. Of it. All of it's, it's, it's all through. It, it's funny because the Norwegian media or the Australian media gave me a title on my second TV interview. They welcomed me back as the charity adventurer. And then that title's just stuck. So, so it's all on Instagram at the charity adventurer. That's that's the main medium. YouTube is going to be coming soon for longer form video about the challenge. But right now, all updates are on Instagram. So great to connect there. And if anyone has any more questions, shoot me a message. Always happy to chat. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Josh. Thanks, yeah, thank Josh. You. Really the charity adventurer. Go and check him out. Unreal. Thank <laughs> you so much, mate. Thanks, boys. Have a great one. Mate, your look of astonishment. I, <laughs> my mind is just blown. I just, it's a treadmill in the sky under a blimp. And if you, it's, but I was thinking like something we'll take on. No, no, he's attaching a treadmill to a blimp and running on it. It's incredible, yeah. I was thinking like I've fallen off the treadmill in the gym before. <laughs> Mate, I've fallen over running. Exactly. And I, do you know what? I was thinking about that whenever... He was saying about getting in the wind and how long I didn't realize he'd have to be running that long. That's a long time. 72 hours. 72 hours of running. And if you stop running, you stop. You stop. Unless you've got the wind with you. Yeah. Amazing. We're definitely going to get him back on in a few months' time and figure out how his training's been and, and what he's actually been doing. But oh, I can't wait for that track Tuesday. I hope it's on a Tuesday. <laughs> we'll make it work. We can change days. What a show for 50. What a show. Here's to 50 more. It's pretty much been a year, isn't it? Uh, we're going to come up to a year in a few weeks' time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we want to know, guys, if you've got, obviously, questions or suggestions for shows, anything, because we're planning on doing another whole 50. Another year of Run Strong is definitely on the cards. So 
keep writing in, um, emailing us. It was from a listener that we got in touch with Josh, which is amazing. If you have other people who you'd like to get in touch or like us to get in touch with to interview, please let us know and we will do our best to do that. Rob Jones. Still mind blown. Still I, mind I blown. I'll carry on then. As it stands, <laughs> there's no Track Tuesday at the moment or Coffee Run just due to COVID-19 guidelines and keeping everyone safe. Um, so we're getting a lot more people tagging us in their virtual runs, which is brilliant. Keep doing that. And uh, we will be back soon. But in the meantime, it's back to virtual community running. Yeah. Don't stop running. Don't just stop running in large groups. Yeah. Just be safe. It's my public service announcement. <laughs> brilliant. All right. We'll be back next week with another guest. Oh, yes. This one is Rob Jones's guest. Can't wait for that one. We'll see you guys for show 51. Yeah.